You're listening to the Evanston Bible Fellowship Podcast. EBF is a community of sojourners empowering one another to cultivate gospel transformation. To learn more about our church, visit ebfchurch.org. Scripture today is from 1 Peter 3, 8 through 12. That's 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 12. And I'll be reading from, from the NIV. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Good morning once more. It's so good to be with you this morning, and uh, out in God's creation, as well as uh, those that are joining us via live stream, welcome. It's good to have you with us. Uh, those that may not know me, my name is Tim, and I serve here as lead pastor, and it is a privilege to open up God's word for us in, like I said, out in creation and in community with one another as well. Uh, for, for many of us, I'm sure, as we've seen events unfolding in Afghanistan over the course of last week, it has been heartbreaking to see a lot of the, the images that have coming out of there, especially um, also for service members like myself, kind of wrestling with things like, you know, what it was for and all kinds of everywhere and in between. And I would really encourage us as a church that not only would we be committing Afghanistan, people there, the situation there to prayer, but that also we would look for ways that we can also make a difference here in the Chicagoland area. And one of those ways is with an organization called World Relief. And if you're not familiar with them, one of the things that they specialize in is refugee resettlement. Refugee resettlement. And uh, we'll be sharing some more information this week as to ways that we can engage uh, in terms of advocacy and volunteering and give. And uh, this keeps dropping out. Where's, where's my, there we go. Should I keep using this or? Yeah, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep going here, so. Um, so in terms of volunteering, advocacy, giving, donating, things of that nature. But we'll send out a link to that and also other ways that we as a church community can be supporting Afghan families that may be, in fact, moving to the, the Chicagoland area. So as we turn our hearts to the Lord this morning, let us pray. Let us pray for the people there. And let us pray as we open up God's word this morning that, that the Holy Spirit would illumine his word and that we might gr better grasp the height and depth of God's love for us. Let's, let's pray this morning. Father, we come to you this morning grateful for this time to be in and among your creation, all that you have, you have created through your good hand. Lord, would you guide and bless this time. But Father, as we think about what is happening in the world, especially in Afghanistan, God, we pray for the people there. We pray for the evacuations taking place. Lord, we pray for service members, not only there, but also home. And Father, even more, we pray for peace. And even as this passage reminds us of seeking peace, we do pray that you would pour out your peace, God. We pray for our surrounding community as well. 
as students head back to school, God, would you be with them? Would you pave the way, not only for greater growth, but also, Lord, um, we thank you those, for those students today that are taking the step of baptism. Father, we pray that you would bless them. We thank you for their taking of that step of faith and, Lord, how they inspire us. So, Lord, would you inspire us to this day, too, through the, the, the preaching of your word? And, Father, would you help us to better uh, know you, to love you, and may this not just end there, but, Lord, would it translate into our hands and the way that we live on mission for you in the Evanston area and beyond. So, Lord, we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What's in a name? <laughs> What's in a name? I'm sure I've shared a little bit about this already, but my name, as you know, is Tim Allen. And I have found that there are actually many young people today that actually don't know who Tim Allen is anymore, which is probably a good thing. I'm talking about the actor. But uh, my parents were going to name me Steve, Stephen, and thought about it. My dad in particular was like, wait a minute. There's a famous comedian named Steve Allen. We can't name him that. Kids will make fun of him. Well, the rest is history, of course. They named me Timothy, meaning honoring God. And uh, that's, of course, something I've been grunted at my whole life. I've had all kinds of, you know, Buzz Lightyear type references and things like that. But what is in a name? You know, as I was looking at this passage here that we're going to look at this morning, I couldn't help but think about how it actually intersects with all three words that are in the name of our church. Evanston Bible Fellowship. Evanston Bible Fellowship. And as we turn to, if you haven't already, please turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to look in particular at verses 8 through 12, as Brittany read. Thank you so much. And in the middle of the letter, Peter encourages all Christians to live godly lives, to be, to give the gospel skin, to display the gospel to those around us. And this leads into how Christians should live as citizens, as we find ourselves living between two worlds. And then also he gets into then how we should relate, how, how masters should relate to superiors, how husbands and wives should display the gospel in their relationship. And then as we are going to see here, he then zooms out and addresses all Christians once more, kind of like bookending this section. He begins by addressing all Christians and ends by doing that as well. In that passage on wives and husbands, we saw how husbands and wives are called to constantly live out the gospel in marriage, especially so that unbelieving spouses might come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And so here in verses 8 through 12, as I mentioned, Peter will bookend this section by addressing all Christians and challenging us. I believe the core truth is this, that Christians are called to be a blessing, that Christians are called to be a blessing not only in the Christian community, but in the community around us as well. Christians are called to be a blessing. We are, to called, we are called to exhibit qualities that, <clears throat> that bless our sisters and brothers in the faith, but that also bless the community in which we find ourselves. We are called to be a blessing to everyone around us, and that includes even in times when we, face, we might face hostility. We might face people that are closed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in our time together this morning, we're going to explore what we might call five qualities that should be true of all Christians as we seek to live in community with one another. And then the calling that Peter gives in verse 9, followed by then the foundation for that calling. So five qualities, 
the calling, and then the foundation for that calling. So according to verse 8, the five qualities of harmony, sympathy, love, compassion, and humility are what fuel flourishing Christian community. By beginning with the phrase, finally, all of you, again, Peter draws this section to a close and signals that these five character qualities should be true of all Christians as we seek to live in genuine biblical community. And that first quality is harmony. This, the same word, it's like like-mindedness. And it is a foundational value of Christian community that unites people together from various races, ethnicities, statuses, and more in the common cause and pursuit of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And at its core is the notion of having the mindset of Christ himself. Philippians 2, 5 reminds us, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. And, you know, as we will see along the way here, Peter and Paul both, first of all, seem to be very much affected by the teachings of Christ. But there are some amazing parallels as to what they say as well. And in fact, if you turn over to Romans 12 and kind of keep a finger in that passage as well, there are a lot of parallels in Romans 12, 9 through 21 that seem to be woven in the same stream of consciousness as what, what Peter writes here too. But for instance, Romans 12, 16 says, live in harmony with one another. You know, here at, at EBF, I have had the privilege of serving alongside some amazing, good, and godly men and, and fellow elders. And God has given us, I believe, this sweet sort of harmony in mind. Harmony in mind, like-mindedness. And that doesn't mean that we agree on everything. That, that doesn't mean that there's no room for diversity of thought. But we have been blessed to be of one mind, especially when it comes to major decision-making. And our prayer is that that same mindset would come to permeate our entire church as we live in harmony, that God would grant more and more harmonious relationships, that we would, with one heart and mind, glorify our God and Father together. The second quality is sympathy. Having the mindset of Christ allows us to enter into the feelings of others. And this that's, that's kind of the background of this quality, that, no, that notion of feeling with. That's the root of that word, feeling with. We are to share in the feelings of others, whether they face perhaps times of surprising joy or whether they are in seasons of sorrow and seasons of anguish. We are to seek and to see things from other people's point of view. Romans 12, 15, again, one of those parallels with Paul says, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. And you can hear in those words, the words of our Savior. The third quality is love, love for one another. And this, of course, is the great familial quality. Remember back to chapter one. We are God's children, and he is our father. And because of this, we are sisters and brothers united in Christ. We are a family I love that today we get to practice some of that together, enjoying a family meal, celebrating baptism together as a family. We are called, as chapter 122 says, to love one another deeply from the heart. And Peter will go on to reiterate this in chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love should be the hallmark of genuine Christian community. Romans 12, 10 says, be devoted 
to one another in love. The fourth quality is compassion. Compassion. The Christian community should be characterized by compassion or tenderheartedness, as this word conveys. And Romans 12, 13 says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. I've seen our church go above and beyond in sharing with those in need. And this season has been one in particular, practical ways that we have served one another, being, be it bringing groceries over or providing meals uh, after the, the birth of a child or when a family was in, in, was in quarantine together, you know, kind of pulling our hair out, feeling like we'll never get out of the, get out of the house. It's been awesome to see the ways that our church has done this. And our own family has been, has been recipients of your love, of your compassion, and we thank you. Keep it up, church. Keep it up. The fifth quality is that of humility. Humility. The key to this quality is a high regard for others and what it is that they are going through. Humility was actually scorned in the first century, especially in Greco-Roman culture. Humility was seen as a sign of weakness and of shame. So for Peter to include it here was actually radically countercultural to call the, the church together to practice humility toward one another. Later, Peter addresses all Christians again and says, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Chapter five, verse five. Similarly, Paul in, verse, in chapter 12, verse 16, do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Christ went before us, and he gave of himself as the ultimate example of humility. As I was reflecting on these qualities, I couldn't help but think of uh, uh, Francis Schaeffer. And for those that may know him, theologian, philosopher, um, Presbyterian pastor as well. And one of the things that he wrote about and emphasized is what we might call, what he called, Double orthodoxy. Double orthodoxy. Is anyone familiar with that, that terminology or heard that before? Here's, here's what he writes. Help us kind of wrap our minds around this. He writes this, but one cannot explain the explosive dynamite, the dunamis of the early church apart from the fact that they practiced two things simultaneously. Orthodoxy of doctrine and orthodoxy of community. In the midst of the visible church, a community which the world could see. By the grace of God, therefore, the church must be known simultaneously for its purity of doctrine and the reality of its community. Our churches have so often been only preaching points with very little emphasis on community, but exhibition of the love of God in practice is beautiful and must be there. Did you catch that? That's the end of the quote. That, did you catch that? The two orthodoxies he talks about Essentially, orthodoxy of doctrine and orthodoxy, orthodoxy of community. So as a takeaway, the church must practically display harmony, sympathy, love, compassion, and humility, both in the Christian community and before a watching world in such a way that authenticates the message that we proclaim. That authenticates the message that we proclaim. In other words, the fellowship part of our name must be evident to all. Even if we get the orthodoxy of doctrine right, you know, the, the Bible part of our name, Evanston Bible Fellowship, even if we get the orthodoxy of doctrine right, if we don't display orthodoxy of community, we are in fact heterodox. That is the point. 
Schaefer goes on to write, I am convinced that in the 20th century when he was writing, but it translates in here as well, people all over the world will not listen if we have the right doctrine, the right polity, but are not exhibiting community, are not exhibiting community. This goes hand in hand too with our ethos statement of humble orthodoxy. That's a statement of who we are and who we hope to become. We firmly hold to the truth while gently and lovingly proclaiming it. And it is, it is hand in hand with the vision that we believe God has given us as a, as a church to be a welcome and inviting community. A community of sojourners together that welcomes the weary and burdened home. This is not, oh church, this is not something that we can manufacture. This is not something that we can simply churn out on our own. It flows from Christ's finished work on the cross, reconciling us to God and to one another. And Christ's work, Christ's work in us and Christ's work through us is what creates an orthodoxy of community before a watching world. And so following these five qualities, Peter returns to how Christians are then to relate even more so to those around us, to those around us. According to verse 9, Christians are called to be a blessing, to be a blessing, but especially in the face of hostility. Verse 9, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. I hope you hear in these, in these verses how that drips with the teachings of Jesus Christ. Luke 6, 27 and 28 says, but to you, Jesus' words, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Similar thought along Paul's lines in Romans 12, verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Verse 17, do not repay anyone evil with evil. And verse 20, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. The rest of verse 9 goes on to say, because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. Christians are called to be a blessing, especially in the face of opposition. And earlier, Peter talks about the wonderful inheritance that awaits us, that is all because of Christ's sacrifice. The benefits of that inheritance begin now, even as we have begun our new life in Christ, and they extend into eternity. They stretch into eternity as we experience, as we ex will someday experience that full unity with God. In reflecting on this whole notion of not repaying evil with evil, like, I couldn't help but think of a story that was once shared with me of, of a soldier who every evening would read his Bible at his bunk, would read his Bible, pray, and it seemed like clockwork every evening there would be insults that would be hurled at him from across the bay. From a soldier, particularly, can we use the word cantankerous maybe, soldier that was directly across, I mean, these if you can picture army barracks, you're basically sleeping on top of each other, they're so close, but directly across the way, apparently this soldier took it upon himself to make life really, really rough for this other, this first soldier I mentioned who was reading his Bible. And one, of the, one evening, this resulted in a pair of muddy boots being thrown by the, the hostile soldier at the one 
reading his Bible. A pair of muddy boots came flying from across the bay. Well, the next morning, the, that hostile soldier found his boots cleaned, shined, and ready for inspection at the foot of his bunk. I couldn't help but, I couldn't help but think about that because not only is this a call that we're not even asking, what's being asked of us here is not simply to remain silent when faced with opposition, when faced with um, insults or hostility, but that we'd actually be a blessing, that we would return blessing. I'm just thinking of that soldier shining those boots late at night and preparing them, even though he had faced such hostility. So as a church, let us respond to this countercultural call to be a blessing to everyone around us, especially so that those that might be hostile to the gospel of Jesus Christ might sit up and take notice. Just yesterday, uh, Izzy, our four-year-old, kind of took her little, uh, this little cup that she had some snacks in. It's got a handle on both sides, if you can picture one of those. And she held up one side of it, and she wanted me to hold up the other side. It looked like we were raising a trophy after some sort of like, you know, it's like not quite, well, the Stanley Cup is huge, but, you know, picture, you know, picture like raising up a trophy of some sort. And I was like, what is she going to say? And her words were, bless everyone. Bless everyone. I was like, can I quote you tomorrow in my message? But no, I mean, that is, that is, the, that is the mentality that we are to have. We are called to bless everyone. We are called to be a blessing, no matter how we are treated, no matter, no matter what may come our way. And our natural tendency is to want to retaliate. Our natural tendency is to want to get even. It's hard enough, as I mentioned, to do nothing when someone tries to tear us down. But to respond with blessing? If we are going to follow in the footsteps of Christ, the ultimate example, then that means conquering hate by showing love. Showing love. Rather than respond in kind, we are to respond in kindness. That is what we are called to do. Often there is a vicious cycle of escalating conflict, but think about Jesus, the example that he gave. He refused to retaliate. He refused to retaliate and broke, actually broke this cycle. So as we follow in his footsteps, may we too be cycle breakers. May we bless. May we bless. What is the foundation of this countercultural call? That's where Peter goes next, in quoting at length Psalm 34. Earlier, he's already brought up this psalm, so it's clear. Uh, I think he quotes Psalm 34, verse 8 earlier in this passage. So it's clear that this is on his heart and on his mind. And Peter sees Psalm 34 as foundational for the call to be a blessing. He uses Psalm 34 to show that God graciously delivered David when he was facing exile, even among the Philistine people. And in a similar way, God will graciously deliver Peter's hearers from their exile. They need to remember that God blesses, fundamentally blesses those who pursue righteousness, but his face is set against those that pursue evil of any kind. Verse 10, for the... For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. To love life, to see good days is, is, is the result of God's blessing in our lives. It is so easy to respond in kind to what others say. And that's because of the brokenness, because of the world in which, that, in which we live and the pain in which we find ourselves. 
We are called, O church, to a higher way of love. Verse 11, they must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. It is only through the transformational work of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives that this is even possible in the first place. He gives us the grace and strength that we need to pursue righteousness, to work for, to strive for peace together. Romans 12, 18, again, similar thought along, along Paul's lines, if possible, as far as it depends. As, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. God is pleased when we work for peace and when we strive for harmony among people. Verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Here is that bedrock truth, that God blesses those who pursue righteousness and he opposes all forms of evil. Referring to God's eyes and ears here is called an anthropomorphism. It's a figure of speech that is used to attribute like human type characteristics to God. And here they emphasize his watchfulness, that he knows everything. He knows the end, the beginning, and everywhere in between. He will make things right, be it in this life or the next. This does not mean that God keeps Christians from experiencing suffering, for that is actually the rest of 1 Peter. He helps us to understand that. Instead, God provides his grace to sustain and establish. Chapter 5, verse 10, to, to strengthen and establish Christians when they go through times of suffering. So with God's help, let us be a community that builds up. Let us seek peace and pursue righteousness. We have the privilege of belonging to God's new community, but that also means we have the responsibility of pursuing righteousness and holiness by God's grace and strength, even in the city where we are found. And too often we slip into patterns of assuming God's grace while living no differently from the world around us. This passage is perhaps a, a needed charge to us as believers in Jesus Christ and a powerful motivation to fulfill God's call in our lives to bless, to fundamentally bless. We can rest assured knowing that God is ultimately aware of what is happening in our lives. He knows every relationship. He is taking notes. He knows when we might face insult or abuse. But we must remember that God's face has always been against those who do evil. Whether that evil comes from outside the community of faith or even if it comes from within, God's face is against evil. Ultimately, will we choose the blessings of God or will we invite his own opposition? Here's the core truth, oh, church, for us one last time. We are called to be a blessing. We are called to be a blessing, both in the community of faith and in the community around us. May we display harmony, sympathy, affection, compassion, and humility to one another and to all those around us. We should be a blessing. And one of the ways that we can be a blessing even today is by um, actually, some, some people were here early during setup that helped do some cleanup of the park, uh, even before we put down chairs and things like that. But before we leave as well, one of the ways that we can bless, bless uh, our community and bless those that enjoy this park is by cleaning up and leaving this park better than we found it. And so we've got trash bags, we've got gloves. And so uh, 
I mean, the, the soldier in me wants to, like, get, her, get everyone on a line and have us all, you know, walk together. We may not do that necessarily. But uh, it would be great to do some, some cleanup here in the park, even as we, uh, as we leave later on. But will we live out these values? We should remember, too, the fundamental truth that God blesses those who pursue righteousness and he opposes those who do, do evil. So questions for us to consider. Will you take part in our church living out double orthodoxy, both the right belief, orthodoxy of belief, and orthodoxy of community? Will you help break cycles of conflict? What will you do when those muddy boots come hurling at you? And will you be a part of helping our church embody each word in our name. Not only seeking the peace and welfare of the Evanston community around us and remaining committed to the truth of God's word and living a faithful gospel witness, but also in displaying harmony, sympathy, love, compassion, and humility in such a way that gives credence to the message we proclaim. Amen, church? Amen. Let's pray together. Our Father, we praise you for your word and the challenge that you give us through this passage here in 1 Peter. And Father, would you cause us to indeed embody even more as a community the values that we see on these pages? Would you help us to live them out even this day? As we rub shoulders with one another, Lord, would you, would you cause us, Lord, to go even deeper as we live in community with one another, Lord? Would you cause us to go deeper? in our compassion, in our love, in our humility, in our sympathy, in all of these things and more, God. We pray, too, that you would use us as your people to be the very hands and feet of Jesus. Father, would you cause us to have a position of blessing, of blessing those around us. Father, would you cause us to not just remain silent when faced with hostility, but to fundamentally bless. And would you cause us, O oh Lord, too, to seek your righteousness, to seek your peace above all else. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for listening to this week's message. To hear more messages from EBF, subscribe to our podcast. And to find out how to get connected with our church, visit ebfchurch.org.